Welcome. You're listening to Strength for the Hour, the radio outreach of Fruit of the Vine Ministries in Louisville, Ohio. We're passionate about strengthening you with deep truths from the Word of God and bringing hope to the world through Jesus Christ. Jesus said, My words are spirit and they are life. So may you experience new life from this message today by John Davison. Well, shalom, brothers and sisters. Welcome back to the broadcast. Listen, God has been speaking to me, and I am just so amazed always when He shows me wonderful things in His Word. And I, I just, I praise God for revelation. You ever read the Bible, and you say to yourself, I, I read my Bible, but nothing happened. In other words, you, you had something going on in your life. You're, you're already born again. You've already accepted Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. Believe in the death, burial, resurrection. You've, you've taken the, the, the necessary steps. You've, you've went and got baptized. You know, you're dedicated and, and you're all in at this point and you're just like, Lord, I'm going through something and I'm going to open my Bible. I'm going to read my Bible. And you go into the Bible and you read it and you read it and, and you go, um, nothing's changed. Nothing, nothing happened. And you start to feel discouraged because you've read the Bible. It's God's word and it's supposed to speak to you. And you're like, but nothing happened. Well, maybe there's a little bit more to it than simply reading. I want to start in the foundations and I want to walk through this type of an experience with you, share with you exactly what the word of God has to say about this situation so that you can be an overcomer and understand what's going on in that moment and what's a possibility of why you're not seeing the change you so desire when you open up the word. So I'm in the book of Ephesians chapter 2 and verse 1. It says, And you were dead in your trespasses and sins. So he's, listen, he's bringing you back to the way you used to be, right? Before you were born again, and he's going to build a foundation here. And he says, listen, you were dead in your trespasses and sins, which you formerly walked according to the age of this world and according to the prince of the power of the air, the spirit who now works in the sons of disobedience. So he's saying, listen, before you were saved, you were a son or a daughter of disobedience. In other words, the way that you lived your life was in a life of disobedience, disobedience to God, disobedience to his word. Among them, we also once lived, verse 3, in the lusts of the flesh, doing the desires of the flesh and of the mind. And we were by nature children of wrath, even as the rest. So he's saying, listen, you had a lifestyle that you lived before you got saved, it was a lifestyle that manifested in your mind, in your thoughts, and you did the things that you wanted to do, the things that that seemed right to the man, okay? That seemed right to you, that your thoughts, you, you said, I'm going to do this. You, you followed the desires of your flesh, what your fallen nature was telling you to do, and you were in disobedience. That's how you used to live. Verse 4. But God, being rich in his mercy, because of his great love with which he loved us, 
even when we were dead in our sins, made us alive together with Christ. So God sees you, if you're born again, God sees you as alive with Christ. And listen to what he says. By grace, you have been saved and he has raised you up and seated you together in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus. That's where God sees you. Your mind used to do things that were disobedient to God. You get saved. You get the mind of Christ. And God says, I've seated you in the heavenly realms with Christ. In other words, that's where you're at right now. It's not a by and by, here, maybe there, maybe sometimes I'm on a mountain, maybe sometimes I'm in a valley. God says, you're seated in heavenly realms with Christ. That's a fact. That's what God says. Point taken. Thank you, Father. He says, so that in the coming ages he might show the surpassing riches of his grace in the kindness towards us in Christ Jesus. For by grace you have been saved through faith, and this is not of your own works or your own ability. It is a gift of God, not of works, so that no one should boast. No one can boast. God did it. For we are his workmanship, created Listen to this. Listen to the terminology he's saying. We are God's workmanship. In other words, God did something in us. We didn't do something to get to God. God did something to get to us. He put himself, he got in us. He created us in Christ Jesus for good works, which he prepared beforehand so that we should walk in them. Listen to the context. You used to live this way. You used to think this way. You used to act this way. You were a son of disobedience. You came into the kingdom. You got saved. You got born again. You got set apart. You got the Holy Spirit. You went and got baptized. You're all set, ready to rock and roll. Holy Spirit is there, ready to go. And he says, listen, I've given you the mind of Christ. So it's no longer the mind you used to have. I gave you the fruit of the Spirit. Galatians 5, 22, 23, not the fruit of the flesh or the acts of the sinful nature. That's no longer who you are in Christ. And you used to live according to the ways of the world on the earthly realm, looking from your earthly eyes. But now you no longer walk by sight. You walk by faith and you no longer live as somebody who's living from the world's perspective. You're living from a heavenly perspective. Because I seated you in Christ. So I made you a new creation. I give you a new mind. I give you new abilities. I give you my spirit. You're brand new. And I've seated you with Christ in heavenly realms. That is the position you're supposed to live from, not towards. Because God says so. That's who you are. That's where you live. And so he says, listen, you're in the heavenly realms. I've given you everything you need. I've, in, I've, I've, in, I've, I've, I've provided for you. It's not by works. It's by faith provided for you, and you're no longer going through the ups and downs of life. That's not the way I designed you as a new creation. When you look down from heaven, there is no mountains and there is no valleys. They all look the same. 
The only way you can see the mountains in the valleys is when you're standing in front of them and you're looking at the mountain being high and you're looking at the valley being low. But from the top, it doesn't look that way. From the top, every valley is filled and brought up and every mountain is brought low and we've made a level path for the Lord to travel inside of us. God is awesome. Awesome. And so he says, you're created for good works. Now listen, he doesn't, he makes it very clear that, that salvation is by grace through faith. However, once you're saved, you've been born again, a new creation, and that creation is designed and destined for good works. Listen to the book of James, Jacob in the Greek, James, okay, chapter 2, verse 14 to 26. He says this, what does it profit, my brothers, if a man says he has faith, but has no works? Can faith save him? If a brother or sister is naked and lacking food, and one of you says to them, hey, listen, uh, I know you're naked. Uh, I know you need food, but listen, just uh, I'll see you later. Um, peace. Uh, keep warm. Be well fed. But then you don't do anything about what they need. He says, he says, listen, if you don't do anything about what they actually need, then then what does it profit? Your what does your faith profit you? So faith by itself, if it has no works, is dead faith. He's not saying you're not saved. He's saying your faith is not active. It's not the, the light switch is not on. You're in a room. It's dark. You're complaining about bumping around in the darkness. But God says, I gave you the light switch to turn on, but you're the one not turning it on, not God. Sometimes we read the Bible, we get a word from the Lord in the scriptures where he's telling us to do something and we think it's too hard or it's not for me or he can't possibly be asking me to do that. Because it requires faith to step into an area you've never stepped into before. And because you're afraid, because you're unfamiliar with the fact that perfect love casts out all fear. And you're seated in heavenly realms. And the devil is under your foot. That there's no fear in love. You're not stepping out. And so nothing's being changed. I read my Bible, but nothing changed nothing's changing in many areas because God has equipped you to do good works, to go do something. He shared you, he shared with you what that specific something is in any given situation. It says the Holy Spirit guides you into all truths that he, when he comes, the comforter, the guide, the guider, the, the, the counselor, that he will guide you into all truths. He will take from what is mine and he will give it unto you. In other words, you have full access. You've got the mind of Christ. In other words, Jesus did things that did not seem logical. Okay? Jesus is in a situation where he's got to heal a blind man. They're asking him, uh, why was this guy born blind? Well, basically what they were saying is, Jesus, um, what are we going to do about this? You've been healing people. What are you going to do? Jesus, instead of just saying, uh, listen, um, just, uh, hey guy, hey, open your eyes. No. What does he do? He spits, makes mud, 
and puts it on the guy's eyes. And then tells him, go and wash in the pool of Siloam. Now, does that make sense? The Son of God had to spit and then tell the guy to go somewhere else so he could be healed? Think about this for a minute. Number one, what God asked Jesus to do so that somebody else could be set free was totally, just sounds crazy. You got to spit? You got to do all this stuff? Wait a minute. You're telling me I got to go spit, God? Yes, God's saying spit. Sometimes he tells you to spit. And you're like, I don't want to spit. That's going to look weird. It's going to, it's, it's, people are going to judge me. They're going to, and, and the fear comes on. But see, Jesus loved the guy so much that his perfect love cast out the fear of rejection from everybody else. Now look at it from the viewpoint of the man who got healed. He was told in his, he's blind, right? All of a sudden a guy walks up throws something on his face that he's like, doesn't even get, he doesn't understand it. Why is this spit on my face? Why is this guy rubbing his hands on me? I I mean, he feels so uncomfortable and so awkward. And then Jesus says, hey, listen, go, go, go wash your face off in the pool of Siloam. Guy's like, look, man, I've been blind my entire life. Now you, I'm supposed to go wash in this pool. And then all of a sudden I'm, you know, I'm going to be good. You see, God will ask you to do things that seems strange in the eyes of the world, because you are not of this world. Jesus was not of this world. He lived from a perspective of heavenly realms. He took loaves and fishes and multiplied them. And the disciples said, all we have is this, Lord. They were looking at it from an earthly perspective. And Jesus said, uh, excuse me, but my 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 father owns uh, a, a thousand cattle on, on on a thousand hills. He 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 owns all of this. He he he's got total control here. I can multiply all. I got all kinds of stuff in heaven. There's storehouses like crazy up there. All I got to do is say the word. What did he tell Pilate? What did what did he tell him? All I got to do. Uh, do you not think that I could could call you know uh, a, a ton of angels to come and 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 take care of you right now? Like. Do you really think that, you know, you put me on the cross is uh, of your own authority? No, you wouldn't have authority unless my father. You see, Jesus lived from a different perspective. He lived from a perspective of heavenly realms. And if we're his brother and his sister, as he says we are, and God says he seated us in the same heavenly realms, then we have to get an alignment with that perspective so that we can do what Jesus did and start living and walking and breathing and having the same works as he did and greater. Back to the book of James. So faith by itself, 17. So faith by itself is dead. But a man may say, you have faith and I have works. Show me your faith without works and I will show you my faith by my works. You believe there is one God good. You do well. The demons also believe that and tremble. In other words, you believe that the Bible is the word of God. Yeah, that's really great. But so does the devil and he knows it way better than you do. So you know it. So you're reading it. Big deal. You're reading the Bible. I read my Bible. Shouldn't God reward me? No, you read your Bible to find the heart of God so that you can do what God tells you to do in this situation. He says, show me your faith without your works and I'll show you my faith by my works. Right? Verse 20. But do you want to be shown, O foolish man, that faith without works is dead? Wasn't Abraham our father justified 
by his works when he offered his son Isaac on the altar? Do you see how his faith worked with his deeds? Do you see how, and by works, faith was perfected? The scripture was fulfilled, which says Abraham believed God, and it was credited to him as righteousness. And he was called a friend of God. A friend of God. Abraham believed God and acted upon what God said, believing that God would fall, would, would, would come through for him. When you read the word of God and you don't put it into practice, if you don't practice what you're reading, if you don't step out in faith and you start responding in the world the way that the fear tells you to respond because you're concerned about what somebody else says, nothing's going to change because you are afraid somebody might say something bad about you or somebody might judge you or somebody might think you're weird. You remain in the situation that you're in because you're afraid of what anybody else thinks, and then you complain to God, and you tell God, God, why aren't you doing anything? And he's saying, listen, I've already told you what to do. It's you. You're the one not doing what I told you to do. If you would apply the things I told you and step out in faith, believing what I already said and who I said you are, you'll see the results, and who cares what anybody else thinks, because you're going to stand before me on the day of judgment by yourself, and those people aren't even going to be around you. Oh, and by the way, If you really love me and you understand my love for you, if you really understand the love of God that's inside of you, that love is going to cast out all fear because you're going to step out because you love me so much you just believe what I say and you act upon it. And you're going to show me your faith by what you're doing because now you're not just reading the word of God. You're not just reading what I had to say. You're not just reading a a story of something that happened to a man 2,000 years ago. You're applying something that happened to a man that changed your life, that made you into a new man. And now you're who I say you are and you believe that. And because you believe that, you step out in faith and start doing the things that I said that you can do because you believe them even if you don't see them at first. It's amazing, this Christian walk, isn't it? Maybe the reason why you're not seeing the fruit in your life that you want to see, maybe the reason why those things that seem to be unanswered prayers, maybe it's not an unanswered prayer. Maybe God is waiting for you to answer the call. Ephesians chapter 4 says this in verse 1. I, therefore, the prisoner of the Lord, exhort you to walk in a manner. Walk in a manner. What is walking? It's an action. Walk, live, proceed, march forward. Walk in a manner worthy of the calling with which you were called. With all humility, being humble, Being willing to do whatever God says. Just step out in faith. Meekness. Meekness is a submissive, teachable spirit. Submissive, teachable spirit. If you're not submissive to the word of God, and he can't teach you new things, and you won't be humble enough to walk out and maybe get embarrassed, you're not walking the way that we're called to walk. He said, and in patience. Bearing with one another, what? In love. Be eager to keep the unity of the Spirit in the bond of peace. What's he talking about, the unity of the Spirit? Well, I don't want to do anything that's going to cause any disruption because that's going to break unity in the Spirit. No, that's not what that means. 
Unity in the Spirit is that everybody understands who they are in Christ and they're operating in the area and in the way that they're called to operate and they're called to be. You might not all agree with one another, but if you're all operating in the fullness of the Spirit and in the fullness of love, then you're not going to have any type of an issue with one another because the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, gentleness, meekness, self-control, and faithfulness. And if you're doing all those things, you're not going to argue with each other. There will be unity. It might seem weird. You might do weird things that God tells you to do, like, well, maybe spit on the ground, make some mud, and stick it on somebody's eye and watch them get healed. And somebody over there might go, I can't believe Johnny just did that. I can't believe that they just they would spit on somebody's eyes. And, oh, well, yeah, he got healed, all right. But, yeah, look at the weird stuff he had to do. And I'm not doing that. No, no, no. And now, all of a sudden, they're justifying why they won't obey God when you're already obeying God and seeing the fruit of it. See, what they're doing is is they're saying, not so, Lord. And you're saying, okay, Lord, you said so, so I'm going to go for it. And see, they're the one that's out of unity, not you. You're the one that's in unity because you're in unity with the Father. You have his heart and you're walking out and you're stepping out. Well, what about forgiveness? I'm reading my Bible and so-and-so did this to me and I don't know what to do. And Jesus says, listen, forgive them, Father, for they know not what they do. When he was on the cross, he, he wasn't up there going, these ungrateful people, I healed their sick, I raised their dead, I did all these things for them. And, and I mean, I mean, for goodness sake, Lord, I, 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 I opened up the eyes of the blind. I, 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 I threw the demons out of the synagogue. Listen, there were demons in the synagogue. I got rid of them. Now the synagogue's pure where your word is, okay? And they still don't appreciate the fact that now there's not demons in the synagogue. I mean, you would think they would appreciate that. They have such reverence for the synagogue. And no, these people don't appreciate it. So, you know, they don't appreciate me. They don't appreciate what I've done for them. You know, after everything I've done for them, you know, just basically forget it. Just I'm coming off this cross. They don't get it. They're never going to get it. They're never going to appreciate me. And so, therefore, I'm not dying for them. Wouldn't that be funny to hear Jesus say something silly like that? And yet that's the words that we have in our mouth. Jesus is perfect theology. If you cannot find it in him, it does not belong in you. If it doesn't come out of his mouth, it certainly shouldn't come out of yours. And he's calling you to forgiveness. He's calling you to love the unlovable while they are yet sinners, just like he loved you while you were yet a sinner now you're a saint because of his mercy and grace towards you that he now tells you freely you have received. Now freely give that mercy and grace to somebody else. That's what this walk is all about in this world. Ephesians chapter 4 verse 4. There is one body and one spirit, even as you were called in one hope of your calling. One Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father of all, who is above all and through all and in you all. And in you all. Jump to verse 25. He says this. Therefore, put away lying. Well, maybe we need to start there. Are you lying? He says to stop lying. Start with that. Maybe that's the problem. Maybe the issue that you're having right now is an issue that you caused because you're being dishonest with somebody and you need to stop lying to them and go ask them to forgive you. Maybe that'll solve the problem. 
I prayed and I asked God to fix this situation. Maybe he's asking you to be humble and have meekness and go to the individual that you lied to and say, forgive me, I'm so sorry. I never should have did that. That was a bad example of Jesus Christ and I'm just asking you to forgive me. Verse 25, chapter 4. Therefore, put away lying. Let every man speak truthfully with his neighbor or woman. For we are members of one another. Be angry, but do not sin. Do not allow, listen, this is not in the scripture, I'm saying this. Do not allow sin done against you to produce sin in you. Don't allow somebody else's sinful desire and nature, fallen nature, unregenerated, not a new creation, you are. Don't act like them simply because they act the way that they do towards you. You are called to a higher calling. You're called to live in heavenly realms. Do not give place, verse 27, do not give place to the devil. Let him who steals, steal no longer. Instead, let him labor, working with his hands the things which are good, that he may have something to share with him who is in need. Let no unwholesome words proceed out of your mouth, but only that which is good for building up, that it may give grace to the listener. And do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God in whom you were sealed on the day of redemption. Let all bitterness, wrath, anger, outbursts, and blasphemies with all malice be taken away from you. And be kind to one another, tender-hearted, forgiving one another, just as God in Christ also forgave you. We could start on just those. Brothers and sisters, I encourage you, read Ephesians chapter 4 and apply these things to your life and watch God actually change. Let your faith work with your works. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you for joining us for this broadcast of Strength for the Hour. Our hope is that you have received rest, revelation, edification, sanctification, and truth. To learn more about this ministry and to be further strengthened in your faith, you can visit us at our website, www.fruitofthevine.wix.com forward slash fruit of the vine. There you'll find a link to our Facebook and YouTube. If you'd like to send us a letter, please write to... Fruit of the Vine Ministries, P.O. Box 222, Louisville, Ohio, 44641. And for a final word of encouragement, here again is John Davison. Thanks, Alex. You know, God anointed the New Testament writers, and the Holy Spirit spoke through them, and says this in the book of Hebrews, chapter 4 and verse 12. For the word of God is living and active, sharper than any double-edged sword. It penetrates even to the dividing of the soul and the spirit, the joints and the marrow. It judges the thoughts and attitudes of the heart. And Jesus says this in the book of Revelation, chapter 3 and verse 8. He says, listen, I know your deeds. See, I place before you an open door that no one can shut. I know that you have little strength. Yet you have kept my word and have not denied my name. Well, praise God, brothers and sisters, that the word of God was able to penetrate into our hearts today and that the Lord gave us strength through his message as he spoke the word through his word by his Holy Spirit to you where you're at in your home and in your atmosphere. So I just thank you so much for taking your time and listening to the word of God with us today. We hope that you've been blessed, encouraged, and strengthened by the word of God. So thank you so much. God bless you and keep you in his perfect peace. In Jesus' mighty name, shalom.